Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Morning. So good to see you all. You're amazing. You're amazing. Sons and daughters of God, soldiers in the army of God, worshippers in the choir of God, ministers in the house of God. You guys are amazing. You're amazing. Supernatural beings. Yes, you are. Oh, welcome to Little Harmony. Congratulations, Chloe and Zildjian. She's beautiful. Chloe, you're amazing. Turning up at church, how many days after you had a cesarean? Three days. Don't walk around too much. (laughs) My cesarean scar is hurting just at the thought of it. (laughs) Take a seat, everyone. (laughs) Ah, God is adding to the house. New babies, new physical babies, new spiritual babies. That's the sign of a healthy house, isn't it? That's what we want. Yes. Hey, just so you know, I got these boots on Marketplace for two-thirds of the retail price. (laughs) I had them in my, um, I had them in my, what do you call it, my basket. And I was like, I don't want to pay that much, God, for those boots. That's ridiculous. And then, and then they appeared on Marketplace. So it had to be, it had to be him, didn't it? And they were in my size and everything. Do you know that God even cares about the little things in our life? He really does. He's so beautiful. He's a beautiful father. That's right. Don't worry about what you wear, what you eat. Seek first the kingdom and your boots will appear on Marketplace. (laughs) That's the Kylie version of uh, Matthew. (laughs) That's probably an abomination. But God takes care of us. Doesn't he? He takes care of us in so many ways. And he loves to bless his children in so many ways. He loves to bless you. He loves to bless you. How good was worship? How good is worship? I was thinking during worship, we can approach worship in two ways. We can, you know... If we approach worship in faith, what does the Bible say that faith is? The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that we haven't seen yet. So if we approach worship from a position of faith, then if we're, if we're singing one of those amazing lines, you know, that says that your goodness is running after me, your goodness is running after me, God, then even if you're not seeing that today, by faith, you declare it over your life and you can sing it with such passion because it becomes not, oh, but I'm not seeing that right now, so I can't really sing that with passion. But by faith, I'm going to sing that and I'm going to declare it over my day and I'm going to declare it over my tomorrow and over my next week and my next year that I'm going to see your goodness running after me, saturating my life in every area of my life. And that's how we turn worship around from just being a rational experience to being an experience of faith and declaration and even warfare, even warfare because you still do miracles, God. I'm going to say that. I'm going to declare that into my future and enemy, you better hear it. God is still doing miracles today in my life. That's when worship becomes warfare. That's when worship becomes powerful and when There's this many of us declaring that in this room, over our lives and over our city, God, we're going to see miracles. I'm going to see miracles in my life. I'm going to see miracles in my city. That's when the church starts to rise up and become a powerful force in our city. So 
that's how we want to do worship here. It's not only on an individual level, it's on a level of we are an army together. We are going out in worship. We're going out together and declaring things over our city. I believe that God is broadening our perspective as Christians beyond just us. What are we here for as a church? Why has he positioned us in our city? It's not just for us, is it? It's to be ministers of the gospel. It's to be carriers of his presence. It's to be everywhere that we go, people know that there is a presence of God around us. That's what we're here for. I I believe it's broadening our perspective. Do you believe that? So I want you to think about those things when we worship. We say it a lot. We're not just singing songs. It's the word of God that that is coming out of our mouth. Don't forget your authority. That's another thing that the Holy Spirit was saying to me in worship. Don't forget your authority. You have authority to not only declare those things here in the house of God, but in your house. Over whatever's going on in your family, you have authority Sing that song as you walk around your house if you need to. To take authority over the spirit of unbelief. To take authority over any contention that is going on in your house. Go walk through your house and sing, God, you still do miracles and your goodness is running after me. On Monday when I'm at home, on Tuesday when I'm at home, when I'm in my house, walk into your kids' bedrooms and any... Any spiritual um, lie that is trying to take authority over them, put your hands on their bed and declare, God, your goodness is running after my children. Your peace is saturating my children. They will submit to you. They will surrender to you. They will serve you all the days of their life. That's how we do spiritual warfare. That's how we take authority in, in our homes. Don't forget the authority that you have. One of the biggest things that the enemy wants to do is make us become slack and forget the authority that the spiritual authority that we have in our homes, in our workplaces, and in our city. You have authority over the atmosphere in your house. You have authority over the atmosphere in your workplace. You take Jesus with you wherever you go. His goodness runs after you wherever you go. Every spirit has to submit to you wherever you go. You are a priest and a king under God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Don't forget the authority that you have. You have authority, spiritual authority to declare things, to speak things, to tell things to get behind you, to tell things to kneel, kneel before the Lordship of Jesus. We don't have to be beaten up by spiritual oppression. We don't have to submit to it in any arena. We are kings and priests sons and daughters of the living God. We have authority. We need to rise up in our authority and speak things over our city. That's not even my message. It's just what God was saying to me in worship. But I want to talk about Ezekiel 47 about that river that God showed Ezekiel in in chapter 47. Stephen mentioned it last week. And it can mean so many things. You know, when you look at um, what the theologians say about the river in Ezekiel 47, it can mean the temple, the rivers coming from the temple. It can mean the, the gospel that came from Jesus. The river is the gospel that that came from Jesus, the temple. He called himself the temple. Remember, he said this temple will be 
destroyed, but it will rise again. He was referring to himself. So the river can represent the gospel flowing, the good news of Jesus flowing out from him until now and beyond. It can also represent the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts, yes. The river, the living water flowing from the throne room of God. It can also represent the living water that flows out of you and me, every individual follower of Jesus. Yes? And the Holy Spirit's work in our life, the living water, the Holy Spirit's work in our life. I believe it represents all of those things. What I really love about the Word of God is it is living, it is active, and it is it has so much richness in it that you can read one scripture and get more than one truth out of one scripture. And that's how we can continually go deeper and deeper into the Word of God and get more and more out of it. It's never dry. It's never boring. It's never devoid of revelation. It's, it's amazing. So we're just going to quickly go through Ezekiel 47 And we're going to look at this river of living water that is flowing from the altar. So are you ready to go, Regan? We've got verse 1. He's amazing because I forgot to give him my scriptures until about five minutes ago. So verse 1 says, so this is Ezekiel. God showed him this picture. There was an angelic messenger that actually walked him through this vision. How amazing. You know, when, when you lean into God and, and, you, and you draw near to God, he reveals mysteries to you. He reveals mysteries to us. He shows us things in the spirit And I love that God loves to reveal mysteries. In Proverbs 25, it says that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and it's the glory of kings to seek it out. And it's like, um, that's one of my favorite verses because it's like a dad that hides Easter eggs for their kids on Good Friday or whatever day you do it. It's not he's hiding it to be mean. He's hiding it because he knows that his kids love to seek the chocolate out. It's like a treasure hunt. It's like a, it's an exciting thing. And God has hidden treasures for us to seek out. And he was showing Ezekiel some treasures because Ezekiel was close to the heart of God. Who wants to be close to the heart of God so God can reveal mysteries to you? Yeah, I do. I do. Anyway, so he showed him this river and the angelic messenger brought him to the entrance of the temple and he saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. And the water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. So it's interesting that the water is coming from the altar. Right, the altar in the temple, what does the altar represent in the temple? It represented, yeah, God's authority. The presence of God. It was the place of the presence of God. It was the place of prayer where the priest went in and brought petitions on behalf of the people. And it was the place of sacrifice, yes? The, pl- the place of prayer the place of presence and the place of sacrifice is where the water is coming from. Without prayer, without sacrifice and without the presence of God, there is no river. There is no river of living water. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice so that we could all have the Holy Spirit. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice and In response to his sacrifice, our sacrifice is, now I lay down my life. So his sacrifice, our sacrifice, our, our prayer, his presence produces living water. Does that make sense? So it comes from the place of the altar. 
Verse 2, then he brought me out the north gate and led me around to the outside of the outer gate facing east and the water was trickling from the south side. It started as a trickle. Just started as a little trickle and it ended up being a river. God always has more for us, doesn't he? He's, he's the God of the more. Our experience with him might just start out as a as a trickle of living water, as a taste, just a little drink of his presence. And the more that we step into that, it can become a river. So let's keep going. Verse 3, as the man went eastward, keeping up with me, Regan, good job. As the man went eastward with a measuring line, in his hand, he measured off a 1,000 cubits, which in case you're interested is 500 metres roughly. And he led me through the water that was ankle deep. Ankle deep. Then he measured off another 500 metres and he led me through water that was knee deep. Who likes wading knee deep in the ocean? That's about as far as I like to go because I can still see the bottom. I can still see what's swimming around there. That's about as far as I like to go because I feel safe. I can step back out pretty quick. Yes? No surfing for me. No. Maybe somewhere where there's a shark net. Then he measured off another thousand cubits and he led me through water. Uh, hang on, that was up to the waist, up to the waist. Then he measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. So this speaks of going deeper in God. This speaks of the call to go deeper in God. And, you know, we can dip our toe in the river of God, can't we? And go, oh, yeah, that's nice and cool. That's a little bit refreshing. We can, we can go into the river of God, into the presence of God up to our knees. And we can go, yeah, I'm comfortable here because I can still see the bottom. And I can easily step out if I want to. But it's a pretty shallow experience just going in up to our knees and wanting to keep our feet on the bottom and wanting to be able to see what's under the water. But once we go in to our waist, then we start to get washed, don't we? It's pretty hard to bathe in knee-deep water, isn't it? It's pretty hard to bathe in ankle-deep water, but when you step into up to your waist, the temperature of the water starts to affect your whole body, doesn't it? Starts to wash around you and you get cleansed by the water. You can you can duck down and have a good wash in knee deep in waist deep water, can't you? But then to actually go further and to take your feet off the bottom and to start to swim and let the current take you. That's a whole new experience, isn't it? You can no longer see what's under there. You, you don't necessarily know where the current's going to take you. But it's, isn't it a beautiful feeling just to float? Do you I love to float. Just to take a deep breath and let your body rest on top of the water and just let the water carry you along. Isn't that a beautiful experience? And just look up at the sky and let the water take you. If we could just surrender like that into the presence of God, if we could just surrender like that in, into the, the ocean that is the Holy Spirit's work in our life and just rest in him and just, it's pretty fruitless to try and swim against the current of the river, isn't it? It's a lot easier to swim with the current. It's a lot easier to go where the current is taking you. So to be able to trust God and to, to go right in, to dive right in, to dive right in. Because once you go into the river up to your waist, 
then there's the invitation to go deeper, isn't there? You can feel you can feel the pull of the current going. I want to take you with me. Go go deeper. Go deeper. Let's let's swim. So you can feel that invitation from the water to go in deeper, to to enjoy the whole experience of swimming, not just not just um, paddling, but actually immersing yourself, immersing yourself in the river, and that and that is the the kind of experience that we can have in the presence of God. And to allow and to be led by the Spirit is to be swept along by what God is doing. It's an amazing thing. It means taking some risks. And and I want to ask you today, because I know that there is a, a corporate call going out from the throne room of God in the Spirit for the church to go deeper right now. I know that. I hear that. I sense that. You know that. So where is God calling you right now to go deeper? Where is God calling you? What are you hearing from the throne room of God, from the river of God right now? Is he calling you to go deeper in trust? Is he calling you to go deeper into his word? Is he calling you to go deeper into worship, into his presence? Is he calling you to go deeper into serving him? Where is he calling you to go deeper? Because I know he's calling you. I know. And you know. And if you take time to listen, to just sit and to listen, then you will hear that call of where he's he's wanting to take you. And the question is, will you take that plunge of faith? Will you take your feet off the bottom and go, take me wherever you want to take me, Lord? I trust you. I trust you. I'm not just going to dip my toe into your presence and go, yeah, that was nice, but that's enough. Don't want too much of that freaky Holy Spirit stuff. (laughs) Yes, we do. And he's not freaky. He's amazing. He is part of the triune God. He is Lord just as much as Jesus is Lord. He is worthy just as much as the Father is worthy. He deserves our honour, our worship, just as much. And it's time for the Holy Spirit to be given free reign in the church again. We've kept the lid on him for too long. Out of fear out of wanting to be comfortable, out of wanting to just go in knee deep. We've kept the lid on for too long. I want to read you a quote from someone that I'm reading at the moment. (laughs) You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. It's from the book called God's Pursuit of Man. Don't you love it that God pursues us? Don't you love it that our Father loves us so much that he doesn't just sit back and say, come and and talk to me if you want to. I'm waiting. He actually goes out in pursuit of us. He actually visits with us. He actually dwells with us. He doesn't just visit with us, he lives with us. Don't you love that? So this is A.W. Tozer from God's Pursuit of Man and the chapter is called The Forgotten One. The Forgotten One because he's talking about the Holy Spirit and how to to a degree the church has forgotten the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of emphasis on the Father, there's a lot of emphasis on the Son. And I think we're very comfortable with the Father because we can we can we know what a father looks like. And particularly if we've had a good father, we're like, yes, I'm comfortable with God the Father. He's loving, he's kind, he protects me. 
We're very comfortable with Jesus the Son because we know what a son looks like and he's like a brother to us and he gave his life for us and he's with us, his presence is with us, he's Emmanuel, God with us. There is so much in the word of God that reveals Jesus and reveals the Father and then, and then the Holy Spirit, we're like, ah. the Holy Spirit is just, what is the Holy Spirit? Is he just like this spirit hovering kind of wispy, floaty being that pops in every now and then and makes us feel warm and fuzzy and he gives us the gift of tongues and he comforts us and he counsels us and oh but he sometimes it's a bit hmm (laughs) so our relationship with the Holy Spirit can be a little bit more complex can't it but it doesn't have to be because What I love is we don't have to understand the Holy Spirit 100% to be able to invite him fully, to trust him fully, to follow him fully because we will never understand God because we have human brains. But we can completely trust him, completely invite him, completely surrender to him. So... A.W. Tozer said, one of the most telling blows which the enemy has ever struck at the life of the church was to create in her a fear of the Holy Spirit. No one who ever mingles with Christians in these times will deny that such a fear exists. Few there are who without restraint will open their whole heart to be blessed by the Comforter. He has been and is so widely misunderstood that the very mention of his name in some circles is enough to frighten many people into resistance. And you feel that resistance even in followers of Jesus sometimes where you say, let's just let the Holy Spirit have his way. And some Even Christians go, oh, I don't know if we should do that. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? Is he going to make me look silly? Is he going to freak some people out? Well, that's up to him. But we know that whatever he does is for our good and for the glory of God because he is God. So I want to invite you into a deeper, more trusting relationship with Holy Spirit because he is wonderful, he is beautiful, he is amazing, he's good, he's good. He is Lord and he can be trusted. And I want to read to 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 13, which gives a description of what the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It says, what no eye has seen, no, no physical eye has seen, what no physical ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, our little human minds our limited rationale, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things that God has revealed to us, how? By his spirit. So by his spirit, he he reveals to us things that our minds cannot conceive. It's beyond our perception. Who wants to see things that are beyond your rationale? That he reveals to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Holy Spirit. And he reveals them to us. What we have received is not the spirit of the world. 
What we have received when we come into the kingdom of God is not the spirit of the world. Everyone say, not the world. It's something greater than that. But the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but by words taught to us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The Holy Spirit, when you take the plunge and say, Holy Spirit, take me deeper, he can reveal to you things that are beyond your rationale, beyond your mind, beyond our human understanding. He gives us spiritual eyes to see what is happening in the spiritual world. I want to remind you again that you are not a human being having a spiritual experience when you come to church. You are a spiritual being having a human experience on the earth. Yes? You are spiritual beings. You are spiritual beings. You are spiritual beings. You are spiritual beings. You are a spirit with a body on. You are a spirit in a body. Yeah, you are not just a body with a teeny-weeny little spirit hidden away in there somewhere. You are a spirit being. And as spirit beings, we need to be aware of the spiritual world. We need to be aware of the authority that we have in the spiritual world. We need to be aware that we are sons and daughters sent down from heaven to live here for a little while, for a reason, to show the world who Jesus is to look like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to act like Jesus, to have the boldness of Jesus, to have the message of Jesus, to have the empowerment of Jesus on the earth. That's who we are. That's what we're here for, for a little while. And then we spend eternity, 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 eternity with the Father. Whew. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to what can only be spiritually discerned. And, and this scripture in 1 Corinthians goes on to say that the things of the Spirit are foolishness to the world because they haven't received the Holy Spirit and they find it hard to understand the things of the Spirit. But they can when they accept Jesus. Yeah. How good is God? How good is the Holy Spirit? So verse 6, before I go there, it's time for the work of the Holy Spirit to be restored to the church in all its fullness. That means the gifts of the Spirit. That means the fruit of the Spirit. That means, yes, The whole lot. Fully restored and matured. Fully restored and matured. Because I remember a time, you know, where we would do those questionnaires to find out what are, your, what are the gifts of the Spirit that you have. Which was really good because we need to know what our spiritual gifts are. But then it became a bit of a, you know... Oh, do you have a Ephesians 5 gift or do you just have a Romans 12 gift? Oh, and are you are you prophetic or do you just have the gift gift of hospitality or you know, it became a bit of a what are your gifts? Oh, and what are your gifts? Oh, I've got this gift. And you know that it's never meant to be about us. It's never meant to be about us. The Word of God says, don't actually let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. So that means just flow in your gift for the glory of God and to build his kingdom. And you don't need to tell anybody necessarily or advertise it or get it tattooed on your arm what your spiritual gift is. Just do it. 
Just do it and let it bring glory to God. And let it bring him glory. And let it build his kingdom and let it build his house. Because it was never meant to be about us. It's always about him and others and others. That's what our spiritual gifts are about. So yes, please find out what your spiritual gifts are and then flow in them. I release you to flow in your spiritual gift, in the fullness of your spiritual gift, to glorify God. Verse 6, he asked me, son of man, do you see this? And he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, the water flows from the eastward region and goes down to the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea. And when it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. So the rivers of living water that Jesus said to the woman at the well, if you ask me, I will give you rivers of living water. And they will burst up in you and they will flow out of you. And then wherever you go, you will bring freshness into people's lives. You know the Murray River, the river that is just there? The Murray River... Australia's longest river, I'm just going to tell you quickly, Australia's longest river, we had this little debate this morning, my research says it's the longest river, um, it's 2,500 kilometres long and its tributaries, all the other rivers that flow out of it, include five of the next six longest rivers in Australia. Did you know that? No. The Murrumbidgee, the Darling, the Lachlan, the Warragoo and the Peru rivers. Oh, the Warragoo. So, yeah. And the catchment of these rivers form the Murray-Darling Basin. You've heard about the Murray-Darling Basin. Did you know that that covers one-seventh of the landmass of Australia? One-seventh. It starts in Victoria, it goes up into New South Wales and up into Queensland. I didn't know that. So the water, that, when it rains in Queensland, some of that flows down into the Murray River. And into the Darling and the Murrumbidgee and the other tributaries. And then it flows all the way down to the Southern Ocean where it goes out near Gulwa into the Southern Ocean. That's why it's called the Mighty Murray, because it gives so much life. It gives into other rivers, and wherever it flows, things flourish. That's what our life is meant to look like, that we become a mighty river of living water, and all the other rivers that connect to us, you and me are connected rivers. And so the living water in my life flows out into your river and your river flows into my river and together we flourish and we nourish and we enrich the lives of one another and everybody out there that we meet. Wherever the, river, the living water goes, there is life. There is life and cleansing and washing and flowing and the water flows in and the water flows out and the water flows in and the water flows out the definition of a river is it has an outlet the water flows in and the water flows out so what did the woman at the well do when Jesus said I'm going to give you living water the first thing she did is she went into her village and the water flowed out and she said I met this man and he knew everything about me and he was amazing and you've got to come and meet him you've got to come and meet him the first thing she did was she gave out she gave out Jesus said freely you have received so freely give that's what makes you a river Freely you have received, so freely give. 
So the water's got to come in and the water's got to go out. Yeah? So, verse 9, 10 and 11, swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Englim and there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh for they will be left for salt. So we can either get in the river and we can get washed and we can get refreshed and we can become like the river where the water comes in and the water goes out. Or we can stand on the edge of the river because swamps and marshes are on the edge of the river, aren't they? But they're not part of the current of the river. So a little bit of water flows in, but they have no outlet. So you can stand on the edge of the river and you can enjoy watching everyone else experience the presence of God, everyone else getting into the flow of the will of God. And you can stand on the edge and go, isn't that great? Aren't they having a great time? Aren't they living a great life? But I'm just going to stay on the edge and just dip my toe in occasionally, but I don't really want to get in too deep because that means I have to take my feet off the bottom I'm not comfortable doing that the problem is that when you receive a little bit of God but there's no outflow your life isn't a river your life is a swamp and swamps start to stink so that you need you need an outlet you need an outlet. You need an outlet. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. Everyone say water in, water out. Water in, water out. Water in, water out. So where is God asking you to give? Where is God asking you to give? Where is God asking you to reach out, to flow out, to give out? Because we don't want swampy Christians. Oh, but I just like to come and receive from God and it's just me and God and I... I don't need to see anyone or do anything for anyone or just, you know, I just need a little bit of God to keep me going for the next week and that's all I need. I just need a little dip. I just need a little dip in the water. But I can't give anything out. Yes, you can. Because the beautiful thing about the water in is it cleanses us, it strengthens us, it refreshes us, it fills us, it fills us, it enlarges us. And so then we can give out. We can give out. Yes. Let's stand together. What I want us to do right now I want you to just close your eyes and I want you to put your hands on your eyes. Because the Holy Spirit wants to sharpen our spiritual senses. Because we are spiritual beings having an earthly experience. So I want you to say, Holy Spirit, would you sharpen my spiritual sight? Now put your hands on your ears and say, Holy Spirit, would you sharpen my spiritual ears and teach me how to hear your voice? 
hands on mouth. Holy Spirit, increase my spiritual hunger and teach me to taste and see that you are good. And give me a distaste for the things of this world. Hands on your nose. Holy Spirit, help me to smell your fragrance. And help me to discern when something is off in the spirit and remind me of the authority that I have to speak into that. Hands out. Holy Spirit, help me to sense your touch. And thank you that you've given me authority to reach out and divinely touch and bring healing into the lives of others. Fill me, Holy Spirit, with rivers of living water. Breathe in. Breathe out. Say it again. Feel me, Holy Spirit. With the rivers of living water. Breathe in. Breathe in his presence. We're just going to sit in this moment. He's doing a filling. Just surrender to it. Take your feet off the bottom. doing a feeling. Allow yourself to float and to be carried by the current of what he wants to do in your life. you Holy Spirit we trust you fill us heal us restore us to this moment 
know we have as much of God as we want. We have as much of God as we invite. Lean in. Invite him in. a message on the river of the Holy Spirit and not give you an opportunity to be baptised in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues which is this amazing special language that he gives us to be a, it's a weapon in our prayer arsonary is amazing. It's powerful. If you'd like to receive the Holy Spirit, the baptism, or if you would like prayer for anything at all, I invite you to come up the front. We'd love to pray with you. Bless you guys. Continue this at home. This, this seeking, soaking, inviting doesn't have to end here. Yeah, it can happen at home, in your lounge room, in your bedroom. Awesome. Love you guys. Thanks for joining today. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.